Amen. Thank you guys again for being here this morning. I am excited to be here with you. Uh, we had a wonderful worship gathering at 9 o'clock, and um, I am enjoying our second one so far. My name is Nick. I am one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel, and one of my primary focuses of ministry here is student ministry. So I would be remiss if I didn't take just a second and tell you that we are looking really, really, really forward to sharing some incredible numbers and some stories with you regarding our student ministry on January the 30th. Grant mentioned that to you already this morning, but I want you to make a special plan to be here and celebrate all that God did in 2021 on January the 30th. We're really excited about the HCSM part of that. And um, on the HCSM note, uh, one of the reasons that we are so excited about what God is doing is because of our incredible leaders. And so I want to thank our leaders. They've enjoyed a three-week break here, but each week we have about 40 to 50 adults that uh, give of their time and their energy. After a long day's work, they come and they just love teenagers. And so we could not do it without our leaders, and they're a huge part of why God is blessing HCSM. This Wednesday, uh, we are going to be back and uh, going to unveil it now to the students in the room. But this is our new uh, series this spring. It's called Unstoppable. We're going to look through the book of Acts. We're going to be challenging students to join the unstoppable movement of God. We're going to look at the early church and uh, just how students can join in that movement. Really, really pumped about Unstoppable. So if you have a student that's fifth grade through twelfth grade, or if you have an HC kid that's younger than that, all that kicks back off on Wednesday. So don't miss Wednesday. This morning, we are back in our sermon series called Keep It Simple. Keep it simple. Some things in life are very complicated. Uh, maybe you're an NFL fan, and uh, today you're going to go home and watch some football, and I'll tell you what's complicated. The playoff, uh, the playoff tiebreaker system. You gotta. This team's got to lose so that that team can get in, or this team's got to tie, and if they tie and they lose, then this other team gets in. Uh, all that's really complicated. And unless you're a Colts fan, we had a Colts fan in the nine o'clock, and he came up to me and he said, "Nick, keep it simple. Colts win and they're in." So he's all fired up to go home and watch the Colts. So some parts of it are complicated. Some parts of it are simple. Another thing that is very complicated to some is the TV remote. Uh, it used to just be a up and a down channel and a up and a down volume, and now it looks like it could control an airplane. And uh, if you're like my wife, she has to have help finding the TV shows or recording the shows, and the television remote is very complicated. I asked my fifth grader, what is complicated? And without hesitation, she said math. Uh, math, as probably true for all of us, is very complicated. Church does not have to be that, though. At Holland Chapel, we don't want church to be complicated. Holland Chapel's mission is very simple, helping people find and follow Jesus. We carry out that mission uh, together by worshiping, serving, and connecting. We try to keep it simple. Worship, serve, connect as we carry out our mission together of helping people find and follow Jesus. Today, we're going to be talking about worship. And you might immediately think to yourself, uh, I seem to remember you preaching on worship not long ago, Nick. Well, if that's you, you are correct. It has not been that long, and it's because we try to remind ourselves of this mission and these ways that we carry it out regularly. Corporate worship is a big deal if we're going to effectively carry out our mission. And we realize that we need to be reminded of that over and over and over again because primarily because we are forgetful. We're forgetful. 
If you're like me, you need help remembering. A couple of uh, stories about forgetfulness. I heard about an older couple that um, they had had problems remembering things, and they had gone to the doctor, and he said, start writing things down. So they're in the living room one evening, and he says, honey, I'm going to go get some ice cream. I'm going to make some ice cream. Would you like some? She says, well, if you're making some, sure, I would like some. Put a little whipped cream on mine. And he starts to walk away, and she says, don't you think you need to write that down? And the doctor said, we need to write things down. He says, I've got it, whipped cream with ice cream. And she said, well, if you're going to get me uh, some ice cream, go ahead and put a cherry on top then. And uh, you probably want to write that down, ice cream with whipped cream and a cherry on top. And he says, dear, I've got it. I can remember that. So he goes into the kitchen to make his wife some ice cream. He's in there a few minutes longer than she thinks that he ought to be, but he comes out uh, with a big smile on his face, and he, and he gives her a plate of bacon and eggs. And she says, where's the toast? We're forgetful. Someone asked Tom Jones once if he uh, forgot the lyrics to his songs ever, and he said it's not unusual. <laughs> and one last, <laughs> one last one, just as a community service to the men in here. Men, do you want to know how to remember your wife's birthday? Forget it once. This morning, we're going to take a different approach to worship, but we are going to talk about worship again because we need a reminder. But a little bit different twist, a little bit different look uh, at worship than what we have done in the past. Worship is much more than what we do here on Sundays. I don't know about you, but uh, for a long time in my life, I assumed worship meant uh, being in the choir or being on the praise team or coming to church and just singing songs. And uh, to me, worship meant it was when we are in here singing. But worship is so much more than just what goes on in this room. Worship is not just singing songs or listening to preaching or anything else that goes on in here uh, week to week. Worship is a lifestyle. And that's what we're going to talk about today is worship as a lifestyle. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 4. We have read uh, part of this already this morning, but you're going to recognize this story um, as the story of the woman at the well, or maybe you know her as the Samaritan woman. Uh, Pastor Todd suggested that the praise band learn the song Samaritan Woman by Lenny Kravitz, uh, but they, didn't, they did not know that one. See, I wanted to hit all generations of music lovers, so Lenny Kravitz to Tom Jones this morning. There you go. This encounter in John chapter 4 was not by accident. It was uh, a very intentional conversation that Jesus had. It's a very interesting story. And when we say story, I always want to pause and just, just remind ourselves, because when you hear the phrase Bible story, uh, I think sometimes we have a, a, a tendency to consider it like a, a story on your child's bookshelf. Uh, just some story that someone wrote to make us feel good or to maybe even teach us a lesson. But it's not just a story. This really happened. This is not a fiction story. This is an encounter that really happened between Jesus and a woman. And so much about them is revealed in this story. So much about Jesus. So much about this lady is revealed in their conversation. Uh, they have a lot of dialogue, and uh, one thing leads to another, and now she realizes that Jesus has some answers. Like, he's not just some guy. He, he really knows things, and he has answers. And we get into the story in verse 19. 
And the, the conversation kind of takes a turn. Verse 19 says, Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? Now, I'm really not sure in this moment if she's changing the subject because it's gotten a little too personal. Maybe she's testing Jesus' knowledge, hoping to get some answers, or maybe she's just genuinely curious for the answer to this question. But she changes the subject to this, and Jesus responds essentially by saying, where you worship is not important. Now, before you say, well, then why in the world am I here? I could be back home. Or before you decide to create a a home church in your living room, stay with me for a few minutes because we're going to get to why what we're doing here today is important. But first, let's go back to the well and look at verse 23 and see Jesus' response to her. Verse 23, Jesus says, But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. The Bible says that the Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. God is looking for worshipers. Worship is a big deal. God's looking for people who will worship Him. I love how Bible stories unfold over time. As I read this story, as many of you probably did as a child, you probably saw the colorful pictures and you read the story and you probably uh, got from that story that Jesus was her friend, that Jews didn't talk to Samaritans and it was so nice of Jesus to sit down with this lady. And then maybe as you grew older, you realized that Jesus is all-knowing and he knows that she's had five husbands and he knows things about her before he even met her. And so you learned a little bit more about Jesus in this story. And then maybe you realized what an incredible story it is that she came to believe in him and to recognize that he is the Messiah. And she goes back and tells her village and says, come and see the man who told me everything that I ever did. And you've got to see this man. And the whole town comes to hear about Jesus. And over time, as we grow and as we read and as we study more, the story just kind of unfolds. And now I see that Jesus in this moment is investing and inviting this woman. He's put his reputation aside, not caring what other people think about this moment. He's giving up his time. He's patiently sitting there and answering her questions. And the heat of the day is beating down on him. But he's got all the time in the world for her because he's focused on his mission and he's investing in her. And not only is he investing, but In doing so, he invites her to be a true worshiper. You see, Jesus knew that God is looking for people to be worshipers, to be true worshipers. And so he takes this moment, spends time with this lady, and he invites her to become a true worshiper. You and I were created to worship. Not just be a believer or a religious person. I think sometimes we feel like that we were created to come to church a couple of times a week. Or to come in here and sing some songs. Or maybe even to to read the Bible every once in a while. But we were created for so much more than that. We were created to worship with our life. And you may think, well, what does that mean? That sounds awful big, Nick. What does that mean? Quite simply, worshiping with your life means that You are not the center of your life. Your kids are not the center of your life. Your spouse is not the center of your life. It means that your life is an offering 
to the Almighty God. We've been singing about this morning about what all He's done for us, and we're going to continue to do so in just a little while. It means as you go through your day, you constantly recognize God's hand on you. You constantly see God working in your life, and you look for ways to honor Him. That's worshiping with your life, not just with a couple of hours. When you give that offering, that life in worship, that's when you're on mission. That's when you begin to see those people around you as more than just a person to invest and invite in. But I was reading a book this past week, and he said that we should view other people around us as potential worshipers. And maybe you see them more than just a person that you want to invite to church or a person that you want to spend some time with, but you see them as a person who was created to worship. And they are a potential worshiper of the Almighty God. And together we can make more of a ripple in this world that we live in if we add worshipers to our team. Now I'm not talking about to the team of Holland Chapel. I'm talking about to the team of worshipers who give their lives in worship to God. Ask yourself as you go throughout your week, what would it take for that person to become a worshiper? You see on your seats this morning are uh, some invite cards. We are to be ever investing and inviting, recognizing and seeing people as potential worshipers and say, what would it take? Maybe all it would take is just a simple pass of a card. Maybe it would take some time. Maybe it would take a conversation. Maybe it would take you telling your story of what God has done for you. But start with this invite card. It's a simple way to invest and invite folks as we begin to see them as a worshiper. David said, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. In other words, if it's breathing, Let it praise the Lord. Where does our breath come from? In other words, let everyone who's been given breath worship. Jesus doesn't give her a place to worship, but he does give her some more instruction here. A pastor by the name of John MacArthur said, True worshipers are defined by whom and how they worship. And Jesus gives us the how here. He said it already in verse 23, but he he restates it in verse 24. Look with me at verse 24. It'll be the last uh, passage that we read from this encounter this morning. Jesus follows up his previous statement when he says, For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus said the requirement here is not here or over there or this style or that style or this method or that method the worship the 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 requirement is not complicated keep it simple here's the requirement those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth maybe you're like me and for a long time I didn't understand that sounded that sounded very complicated to me for a long time I would hear people say worship in spirit and in truth and it sounds like a simple little statement but but it's still very confusing. Like, how is that possible? What does that mean? And I didn't understand. And so hopefully this morning we can um, break it down a little bit and, and help us leave here understanding more what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. Worship in spirit. Let's think of it this way. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. The Bible says, The spirit of man is the candle 
of the Lord. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. I'm probably not the only household that uh, was bombarded with candles at Christmas time. You probably all got uh, candles all over your house, and you have to go through your checklist. Did I blow this one out? Did I blow that one out? Did I blow that one out every night? Um, the spirit of man, it says, is the candle of the Lord. Think of it this way. Our innermost being is like a candle wick. And as we spend time with and as we worship God, our spirit is set aflame with God's spirit. As we spend time with the Lord, we're set on fire with God's spirit. That's why abiding in him is so important. A few weeks ago uh, at our online service, the, the, the online worship gathering the last Sunday of the year, the pastors uh, had a discussion in that worship gathering about abiding in Christ. And I'd invite you to go back and listen to that. You can always go back and watch the previous worship gatherings. But abiding in Him is so important because when we do that, our spirit is set on fire. We're empowered by God's energy, not by our own effort, but God empowers us. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. The Bible says, We worship God by the power of His Spirit. We brag about what Christ Jesus has done. We don't put our trust in our weak human nature. We're empowered by God. Worshiping in spirit means worship wholehearted. It means worship sincerely. Not just out of routine. Not just showing up on Sunday mornings because it's what you're supposed to do. Or not just opening up your Bible uh, once or twice a week because you need to read your Bible out of routine but sincerely, wholeheartedly abiding in Christ. Motivated by love for God and gratitude for all that He's done. We've sang about it this morning. Surely your mind couldn't help but wonder as we sang, Great is thy faithfulness. And we thought about the ways that God has blessed us throughout our lives and no doubt your mind probably wondered like mine did and so we're motivated by that gratitude to worship in spirit but Jesus says those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth worship in truth Maybe it's easier for you to understand this part. It kind of is for me, but then I spoke with someone last week that said this is the harder one to wrap their mind around. But worship in truth. The first piece of armor in the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 is the belt of truth. I believe that gives it some importance there. It's, it, it's the belt of truth is the first piece of armor that we're supposed to put on. Everything that we do must be grounded in the truth of God's word. So if you're worshiping in spirit but not in truth, you're not a true worshiper. The Bible says you must worship in spirit and in truth, meaning it needs to be founded on God's word. Our worship should conform to all that we know about God and scripture. Another pastor by the name of John Piper, he said this, Strong affections for God rooted in the truth are the bone and marrow of biblical worship. In other words, strong feelings of affection and love for God because of all He's done for you that is rooted in this is the bone and the marrow of biblical worship. The truth of God being of infinite value is worthy of infinite passion. See, they go together. They go together. 
this infinite value of the truth of God is worthy when we know, when we, when we think about all that we know about God and how much He loves us and what He's done for us and how His mercies are new every morning. That's worthy of infinite affection. They go together. Someone explained that this way the more we know about God, the more we appreciate Him. And the more we appreciate Him, the deeper our worship. And the deeper our worship, the more He is lifted up. The more you know about the truth of God and His Word, the more you appreciate Him. And the more you appreciate Him, the deeper you're able to worship. So regarding what we're doing here today, what do we know about God? What do we know about God specifically regarding what we do at Holland Chapel every Sunday? Corporate worship. I think that we know, according to God's word, that he wants us to worship together. This is a big deal, what we do here. And not just Sunday morning. I'm talking about when, when, the, when believers get together, whether it's in a living room, or whether it's in a, a, a growth group, or whether it's here on Sunday morning, or whether it's out in the community serving. That's worship. And it's a big deal according to Scripture. And if we're going to worship in spirit and in truth, we've got to recognize that. Worship is not something that we just do individually. Sure, it's very, very important. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment, our individual worship. But for the believer trying to be light in the darkness of this world, we're trying to go out and shine the light of Jesus in this world Corporate worship is huge, and it's truth. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. It's the verse that everyone goes to when we talk about corporate worship, but it's because it's so plainly laid out in Scripture. The Bible says, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. Encourage one another. Don't neglect meeting together. Author by the name of Gustafsson, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his first name. He said this, as much as God loves our individual praise, he is eagerly waiting for the sound of worship that comes only from genuine community. And again, that community is not just in here at 9 and 1030. It's around the dining room table with other believers. It's out in the community serving. It's in a growth group. It's in a connect group, uh, group climbing up on a mountaintop. Genuine community. He's eagerly waiting the sound of worship that comes only from that community. And there's countless reasons that people don't participate in worship. Uh, too busy, a past experience. You say, well, I'm not going to go back to there. They, they hurt me too bad. Uh, maybe it's boring, or maybe that's just when I'm uh, preaching. I don't know. Maybe it's the weather. Uh, the weather is a, a pretty good excuse, but sadly, I think all those are just excuses. I think mostly we just take it for granted. I think we just take it for granted what this group of believers can mean to my life, can mean to your life, how huge corporate worship is. I think we just take it for granted. So many people would love to be here. They're out because of, because of COVID or because they're trying to stay safe. And if you're watching online and that's you, 
we're, I'm not getting on to you. You continue to be safe, and we thank you for watching online. There are so many people that would love to be a part of this group this morning. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were visiting one of our precious um, ladies, and uh, she has since passed away. Two weeks before she passed away, she told us this. She said, I'm going to get better, and when I get better, I'm going to come back, and, I'm, and you're going to see me at church. And she longed to be here. And yet, healthy believers, every single Sunday, take it for granted. Take it for granted what corporate worship means. I was visiting with Miss Patsy Colt a few weeks ago, and we were talking about um, family that had lost a loved one. And, and she said, people just don't realize how much they need the church in those moments and what that could mean. As the world just throws junk at us, difficulty, heartache, sorrow, trouble. And yet here we are to encourage one another, as Hebrews 10 says. The bottom line is we need to be convinced that we cannot accomplish God's purpose in our lives by ourselves. We need to be convinced that we can't accomplish what God wants to do in our lives alone. And I realize that um, when we say that kind of thing in here, we're preaching to the choir. You're here, right? But we need to be convinced and reminded because I remember I said how forgetful we are. We need to be reminded. I know how quickly I could miss three or four weeks and then it turns into six or seven or eight. We need to be convinced and then reminded and reminded again that we cannot accomplish what God wants to accomplish in our lives alone. That verse, Hebrews 10, 25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. That was written just a few years after Acts 2, verse 46, that says they worship together at the temple each day. And less than a generation passed, and God thought there needed to be a reminder because he said, let us not neglect our meeting as some people do in just a few short years after they had been meeting each and every day. And we know that it doesn't take years to get out of the habit. You matter. You matter to me. You matter to this church. You are indispensable when it comes to what God wants to accomplish in and through Holland Chapel right now. We need every part of the body of Christ to do what God wants to accomplish in and through Holland Chapel. Corporate worship is a big deal. But like I said earlier, it's just a small portion of our week. I love this uh, kind of statistic idea, this, this thought here. I, I expounded on it. I read something similar to this and expanded on it. Uh, Jesus spent, if he spent eight hours a day, every day for three years with his disciples, that would be 8,000 hours that he spent with those men while he was uh, walking with them for three years. 8,000 hours he would have spent with them. And we know by reading scripture and we know because they were human that those men still had issues, right? They still had doubts. They still had fears. They still had trouble. They weren't perfect and neither are we. But 8,000 hours with Jesus is what they spent. Did you know that at one hour a week on Sunday, you'd have to live to 153 years old to spend 8,000 hours? I'll be the first to admit it. I'm not going to make it to 153, Miss Gail. I don't think. 153 years. What I'm saying is we need more 
than just this hour or two on Sunday if we want to be a true worshiper. If we're going to worship in spirit and in truth and be a true follower of Jesus, we need far more than an hour on Sunday. We need a life that abides in Christ and has the support of other people. Worship is our response to what God has done for us. And I don't know about you, but he's changed my life. And looking out over the faces in the room, and I know many of your stories, and he's changed your life too. It's our response to what God has done for us. That's our worship. Because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection, we've gone from death to life. We've gone from facing this world with no hope to an incredible, incredible future. We've gone to, from a place with sorrow, nothing to get excited about, to a joy that you can't wipe off your face. Beginning to end, great is his faithfulness. God is looking for worshipers, Jesus said. Not part-time worshipers, not Sunday morning worshipers, not half-hearted worshipers. He's looking for those who, must, who will worship him in spirit and in truth. A deep affection that's grounded in the truth of God's word. That's the kind of worshipers that we're called to be, that we were created to be. Are you fulfilling what you were created to do? We're going to close out with a, a song in just a few moments. And here's what I, my, my hope is, my prayer is that we begin this song here and that mindset goes with us throughout our week. The rest of the day, the rest of the week, the rest of our lives, as we commit to be true worshipers who worship Almighty God, the only one that's worthy in spirit and in truth. This song has incredible lyrics. We're not going to sing the whole song this morning, but... Part of it that we are going to sing says this. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. If everything exists to lift you high, so will I. We closed out at 9 o'clock. And I went down and I was singing this song, and I thought, I should have asked, I should have, I should have directed, I should have said, if you, need to, if you need to spend some time with the Lord during this song, just thank God for what he has done for you. If you need to recommit that, God, I, I've not been the kind of worshiper that I should be. My worship and what you've done for me are a very uneven balance. And honestly, we're never going to even that balance, but it gets way out of whack sometimes. And I stood down there and I thought, we, we, need to, we need to be a church that's just flooding the altar of thanksgiving to God and commitment to be a people who will worship in spirit and in truth. I, I hope that when we leave here today that we don't just clock out and then clock back in next Sunday. Jesus said God is looking for worshipers. And when he said that, he meant 
in spirit and in truth. And he didn't just meant come in and sing a song and listen to some preaching. He meant worshipers who will worship with their lives. And this morning, I'm not saying that to be a good Christian, you've got to come down front. I'm not saying that to be a good Christian, you've got to do anything. But I am saying, whatever the Spirit leads you to do this morning, whether it's just read the words on the song, whether it's sing them out with all your might, whether it's sit in the seat where you're at and just thank God for what He's done, or whether it's go anywhere in this room and say, God, I'm committing to you today to be a better worshiper. I'm just asking you to respond to what God wants you to do this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this passage of Scripture. Thank you for this encounter and what it teaches us, Lord, and the truth of your word. And we are forever grateful for your unfailing love, for your incredible blessing. Lord, I pray that this morning, if there's someone in this room that needs to become a worshiper, that has never heard that they were created to worship, that has never heard that you loved them so much that you sent your son to be the payment for their sins so that they could have eternal life and a, and a life with you. Lord, I pray they would make that decision to morning and this morning, and I pray that those of us in here who have, Lord, that we would commit to worship you with all of our heart and with our whole life. May we be a church full of true worshipers. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.